welcome to the Creativity Conference's official podcast. My name is Aidan Rode. I am the assistant manager here at the Creativity Conference, and I'm very excited to be hosting this podcast with some world-class creatives to discuss all aspects of creativity. Today, I'm joined by Mark Mann, who is an incredible world-renowned portrait photographer of athletes, celebrities, US presidents, and many, many more. Uh, Mark, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing all right. Well, I, I was doing all right, but this last uh, this last wave of nonsense is just like, oh. but I'm doing okay. I, I think I've I think I've found this kind of I've just be, we've been through this cycle so many times that I think my uh, I think I found a way to kind of like get into the mode of you know this is what's happening, but I'm not gonna let it affect the things that are most important or try not to like family and work and creativity so i think i'm almost i'm almost kind of used to the pattern yeah you um delivered a fantastic presentation for us back in the online iterations of the creativity conference back in august and in january 2021 how did you find the the conference experience? Did you attend any other sessions other than your talks and panels? Um, I think it's a really nice forum because you know you're you're not only talking you you as a presenter have to think a little further than just a photographer and what does a photographer do? You know you really you're really forced to focus on the creativity of your um, profession. Um, And that's not often what people in photography lectures or forums want to hear. They want to hear what f-stop do you use and, you know, what camera you use. And what's really nice about this forum is that forcing me as a presenter to, to think about how I actually do things and the process and, that's that's very challenging for me <laughs> and it's something i try and avoid thinking about a lot because i don't really come up with very good answers and then when you when, when you add that to 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 having to explain that to people it's just like whoa this is tough but challenging and when you as we all know when you're challenged you do a better job than when you can just kind of call it in yeah, it keeps it creatively stimulating and uh, yeah. it keeps things fresh. Uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, um, with this recent wave of, of Omicron sweeping the nation, um, how has the pandemic uh, affected your workflow and your creativity in general? Did you find that you were creatively stifled or enabled in certain ways? Um, I think briefly when in 2020 everything shut down um i think i lost the plot like everybody else lost the plot i just um and then as the reality of what was happening started to set in um i watched as a lot of my peers just i gotta do this i gotta do that and i i, I know from my own just knowing myself for however long I've known myself, a lot of years I've known myself, that that doesn't work for me. I can't force something. Um, and I know that from experience, I, I've 
eventually it falls into place for me or or I, but the more I try and force it the less that happens so I was kind of holding out for uh, this moment of like oh this is what I got to do or this is what I want to do um, and it didn't come for quite a while but what, what I was doing in the meantime was uh, um, I kind of came up with a, a project that I could do well first of all I tried to to, to shoot some landscape um not good just wow i can't i have no concept of this i you know i made a valiant effort went out in my kind of wellington boots and stuff and <laughs> marching off to places and setting the camera up and like fuck i can't even i don't know what i'm doing so that failed but i did go back and i i retouched uh I retouched about 250 pictures from jobs that I had done previously. I took took my whole archive to where I was. And um, it was interesting for me to look at um, jobs that I had done, you know, maybe 12 years ago, 15 years ago, and go, wow, we chose that picture. We probably chose it because that's what the editorial staff are whatever magazine or publication was looking for it. But you know what? That's not really what I like. But at that time when things were moving so fast with magazines and da 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 you didn't really have a lot of time. Job was done, you moved on, you moved on, and then you moved on, and then all of a sudden you, you didn't didn't have time to look back. So um, I, I found a new angle on a lot of my old shoots and I retouched the pictures in preparation for something. Um, so that kept me very, very busy until I got this, uh, I, I got the thing that I was kind of waiting for, which was how, what can I shoot? How can I shoot it? Um, and I did, uh, my, my sister-in-law is a choreographer, a, a world renowned choreographer in New York city. And, um, she's always got these most incredible dancers working with her and for her. And um, we, we talked one day and we said, well, let's, you know, if you have a big studio, we can be 30 feet apart. You can wear a mask. Why don't you photograph some dancers? Okay. I did five and then I did 10 and then I did another five. And all of a sudden it started to look really cool. Um, and, just great timing. I had a meeting with somebody who led me to a meeting with the publishing house Rizzoli and I showed them the 15 or 20 pictures and they said, let's publish this. So um, I went on for the next six months, mostly on Mondays, photographing these amazing uh, dancers. And we photographed every, I mean, as the floodgates started to open, you know, you, you photograph one dancer, they recommend others. But then we started to get some of the big hitters, um, you know, all, the leads, the the um, leads and principals of New York City Ballet, American Ballet Theatre, Martha Graham, Alvin Ailey, um, uh, you know, and then we got like some legends like Cheetah Rivera came in and she posed for us and um, we cut it off at 140, but it's, I think it's the most significant project I've, I've done in 
decades, I mean, ever. So that was my little pandemic thing. And what's nice about now being kind of shut down a little bit now is that, I, you know, it's really crunch time to get all the images ready and prep for the book. So I'm, I'm very, very busy with that. Which is cool. Also, we did our. I did my YouTube channel through the pandemic, which was kind of fun. It's called Complicated Things. It's kind of fun. So yeah, yeah I mean, unfortunately, no sickness in our family, no deaths, no, you know, and uh, I always try and keep bear in mind about you know something that was actually quite good for me in some ways has been so absolutely awful for so many millions of people i mean so it's it's hard to kind of be enthusiastic about it but um i i had an okay time yeah and it's it's great that the the pandemic in a way has enabled you to do this project that you potentially wouldn't have otherwise been able to do and, and tell me more about this this book that you're doing uh it's uh, it's it's a real segue for me in everything I've ever done in photography, and uh, you know I approached it wrong <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, when we first started, it was you know pre-vaccine, so we have a massive space um, that we have just now, so uh, I could be. You know, we thought like 25, 30 feet was a reasonable distance if I was masked and they were unmasked while they were dancing. There was only like three people in the studio. Um, and so I, I'm not really one for long lenses, so I don't have any. So the only kind of lens that I thought I could use was my like 110 portrait lens for my Leica. But it's beautiful if you step back. But, you know, the Leica S is not uh, action photography camera in any way, shape, or form. So um, also uh, I decided to use daylight um, because we had pretty light in the studio between like 11 and 3, and I wanted it black and white. But, you know, I'm, I'm so used to being the song and dance guy on set you know, doing the stuff. And then you just have these people that perform and perform for a living in 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 a way that is is them doing their thing. Um and the first couple of dancers I, I have my camera up and I, I'm just not taking any photos. I, I'm just so amazed by what I'm seeing in front of me without me having to push, 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 and, and wait for that potential reaction. This shit is just happening in front of me, and I don't know how to capture it. I don't know when to press the button. I, I, I don't know what's good, what's bad. I, I don't understand the form. So photographically, it was, you know, I, I always say, yeah, I change things up. I do things differently. I play with my light, but um, I've never... I've never like stepped so far out my my comfort zone and ever, and um, I think that's part of it. Part of why it, it's I think it, it, it's a it's a nice project because I, I really 
was way out there. Um, and it also, it just was, it was fortunate because usually dance photographers, um, like, you know, other photographers are, have a way of doing things and to get the shots that they want. And I didn't know what, I knew what I wanted with light and composition, but I really didn't have an understanding of what was a good dance pose, what was a bad dance pose. You know, if you've got like a prima ballerina from New York City Ballet and they, and you, you, you take the photo a, a, a half a second late and their foot is pointed the wrong way, that shots out. Um, so immediately I stopped going for perfection for that minute but started to try and work on the the off minutes and the getting into a pose or after the pose and that seemed that seemed to work and the dancers really seemed to like it because they were seeing themselves in a way that they didn't usually see um the other thing we did which um i think was an well a couple of things we did first of all any profits from the book go back to the dancers um you know there's 140 if the book makes 140 bucks we all get a dollar so i think that was appreciated because you know i've been a photographer for 35 years i've been abused left and right you know anyone that can take the piss has tried you know so as an artist well and i don't really think of artist but as somebody in the arts uh I did not want to be a dick to the people that were doing this for me. So that was number one. And number two, the other thing which I found was incredibly important for them and something they very rarely had was to get an opportunity to decide which images they liked. So after, after the shoot, um, I would literally send them a, a Lightroom folder. Or, I mean, I took the ones out that I just, I couldn't live with if they chose them. But they were getting like 70 to 80% of all the photos I took and they would mark up the ones that they liked. And we would only work within these ones. So I didn't quite, I kind of started off as a, a, as a thing for me to understand what they liked, but it ended up being really significant because they really felt that they had a say in how they were. Um, presenting themselves, which I think is unusual for a lot of them. So it was cool. Um, it's Rizzoli. It's uh, be published in around a year. Um, we're working super hard to get um, the design done and everything done. That has to be done way in advance. And it's my first book, and I'm excited about it. And if anyone can think of a title, because I can't find a title. Yeah, everything I come up with is bad. <laughs> <laughs> You've emphasized in the past a lot about creating this sort of deep connection with your subject and um, making sure that, you know, you, you and them have this sort of this rapport. Um, what are some just absolutely fail safe go to ways that you've come up with over the years to sort of warm up even the more camera shy and recalcitrant subjects? Um there's 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 nothing there's nothing it it, it 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 and i'm i still like go christ did i really just do that is that what i just said <laughs> um i i don't think there's any you see what i think it is what I, what I, 
Um, it's it's really interesting you ask that because it's once again that process of me having to think about what I do, and then first of all, when I think about what I do, I'm embarrassed. And second of all, <laughs> so my my trick for that is like not to think about it too much. But I think it comes. I think it it, it it's all. There's no natural ability for me there. I don't think. I think it's all come from practice and practicing my craft. And uh, as a photographer who shoots people, or for anybody out there that shoots people, I mean, landscape's different because you can't like, you're not going to get something better from a tree if you talk to, I don't know, maybe you are. But for people, your whole thing is like this ability to 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 be human beings and communicate. Um, I mean, that's, that's, I don't want to get deep, but that's fucking life, isn't it? It's like, so I think uh, to, to kind of get back to your question, it's about summer, summing up a situation pretty quickly. Um, definitely, definitely try and do a little research on this person that you're photographing. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, just a simple, I mean, sometimes it is just a Wikipedia, but, you know, usually there's enough kind of stuff out there for you to get a sense of who this person is kind of um, what they like, if they have a family, you know, I mean, listen, one, 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 you know, I, I always said before, uh, um, you know, if somebody's got kids, talk about the kids, you know, I've got a kid, you've got a kid. We talk about our kids. Um, Failed very badly one time when I said something. So, hey, kids doing all right? And he said, I don't talk about my kids. So, Ooh, okay. <laughs> so, as I say, however foolproof you think it is, then it's not. So, do, 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 do definitely try and do a little research on whoever you're photographing. Um, you know, you might find in, they're into rollerblading and you could talk about rollerblading. And I think even though it's contrived to the extent that they know that you've definitely read that about them, it's not like saying, oh, I loved you in Pulp Fiction. It's like, fuck off. You know, so real life, uh, you know, oh, are you, oh, you're in New York overnight. Where are you staying? Oh, cool. I've been there. It's a nice hotel. Oh, have you had the oh yeah, yeah, the Eggs Benedict. You know, people want to talk about, mon I find, mundane shit that is relatable across because they yeah I have no concept of what it's like to be under the pressure that they're under um they have no concept of the pressure I'm under so stick to the mundane shit and sometimes it gets interesting sometimes you know having a sense of humor very important but anyway I could talk about this forever but there's yeah. no practice read the room practice read the room practice read the room definitely and actually in the lead up to this uh recording this podcast doing a, a quick google on you i found out that we have a, a commonality and that we both have gone to the university of manchester um oh, really? you, you went 30 years ago i'm i'm there now so it, things have changed i assume slightly but that's so um, funny you see that now, now, listen i'm watching the screen there and you said that and did you see my face go really yeah, so if you had your camera in your hand you would have got that shot right so 
doesn't yeah. that work? So, so yeah, so that's, listen, as I say, you just nailed it. You, you just answered my question so much better than I did, could have done. But, yeah, so um, when I was there, it was the Poly. I was at Manchester Poly, uh, which mm -hmm. I think is Manchester Metropolitan University now. Right. Um, and it was, I mean, I loved it. I loved it. Are you from Manchester? Uh, sort of the, the general area, Derbyshire, south of Manchester, is originally. Derbyshire is not fucking Manchester, it's an hour away. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's not. It's I hear not it. Right no. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, so I, I mean, I. I I did the best four years there. I really, really, really did. I mean, it was it was brilliant. I, I didn't learn too much about photography, but I learned how to well, smoke cigarettes and drink coffee and talk to like the all the pretty people in the um, department. <laughs> that's what university is about. I mean, and from a from a photographer's perspective, I mean, you were studying photography at the time. Um, what what makes Manchester or what made Manchester thirty years ago uh, a particularly interesting city? The people or visually, itself? there was just so many. There was so many students of all different colors, shapes, sizes, and varieties that you you just you know if you if you got an opportunity to like you know dip into these different things, I'm sure it's the same now. But you know, like Monday was reggae night. You know, so go see some reggae, go hang out, have a couple of beers with the reggae folks. And then Wednesday was disco night somewhere else. And, you know, it was just this, this never ending, um, never ending like loop of different things to do. Also, I'm going to age myself here, but you know, the Hacienda was still open. Yeah. So Friday night was the Hacienda, man. That was what you did. I mean, you know, life-changing experiences every Friday night. Uh, so it's now you know, a that, block of apartments. Sorry, the, the hacienda is now a block of apartments. Yeah, I know. Um, it's kind of sad. Um, yeah. But you know, so that was going on. It was like a really explosive music scene in Manchester at the time. You know, the Mondays and New Order, and then on the other hand, there was like uh, James. And the Smiths, and you kind of couldn't like the Smiths and the Happy Mondays or New Order, so you had to kind of choose your. But I never chose. I was depending on who I was with because I did like all the music, you know. Yeah, but yeah, Manchester was something else. Um, just like the variety of things, and, and I think when I was there, it was like forty thousand students or something. It was just ridiculous. Fallowfield, all the curry houses in Fallowfield. I mean, it was just the best. Yeah, I'm my my hall is twenty seconds from the start of the curry mile, so I'm. I'm oh, like, sorry, uh, I missed what you said. My my student hall is twenty seconds from the start of the curry mile, so I'm. Oh, there you go. I'm right there. Yeah. Paragange any... one, Paragange two, Paragange three. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to three. It's terrible. Let's go to two. It's the same restaurant. No, it isn't. Are there are there any sort of projects that you worked on from that time, or you touched on earlier? You were sort of going through your archives from the last sort of fifteen years. Um, are there any projects that you sort of rediscovered that you're that you have a bit of a soft spot for that are potentially lesser known about, but that you wished more people had seen? 
Um, I I can definitely I can definitely say that my interest for shooting portraits came from time at school. Um, I just I just knew that you know if we had a still life or a a landscape type project that I just I had no interest. So it was definitely people. And it was this it was that really interesting time where you kind of realized in a lot of ways the power of photography because yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like having the photograph taken, but there's a, a lot of people that do and you know and you, you find yourself like start of that practice of how to ask somebody oh can I take your picture or you know um different different times and you know the listen there's always you know I mean I think of the film blow up but there's always been that kind of creepy element and hey can I take your picture so and I kind of realized that super early on and uh, really worked against that and, you know, how to do this in a way and be very transparent about what we were trying to do. But still, I mean, you know, um, some of these early photographs and some of the photographs I take now lead to, lead to friendships and long-lasting friendships. Um, I My wife is a woman in the business that used to give me work 20 years ago um and then when we got engaged and got married she stopped giving me any work and i don't work for her anymore but uh definitely manchester was a place that it was at four years of discovery um in retrospect for me it was probably a year and a half because i was partying too much the other two and a half years and i i suppose maybe in retrospect i would have worked a little harder at it <laughs> Save me some time and effort. Yeah. Moving uh, outside of your work, what are some creative outlets that you have um, outside of your day-to-day career that keep you creatively fulfilled, be it sports or your kids? Uh, no sports for me. Well, I'll play a little golf. Um, like, uh, team sports were never for me. I like team photography. Um, I like working in a team to be a photographer, as a photographer, uh, I suppose part of that and like a deep, 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 deep ego is that I'm in charge, but I can listen to what you say and show respect for it. And if it's a good idea and I take it, then I get the credit and you don't. So, you know, there's that aspect, but I'm definitely a team player when it comes to photography, but I don't like competitive team sports. I don't like watching them or playing them bit weird but i suppose in the last eight seven or eight years um most of my creativity outlet comes from um you know being a dad and uh trying to trying to find creative ways to entertain my kid which is exhausting in this day and age i'm sure it was for my parents as well but um a lot comes from that i i still read a lot even though i listen to a lot of audiobooks i'm not searching for creativity i embrace it when it comes along and you know but i i'm fortunate enough that it does come along often enough i, I've been, I never really get stifled 
And when I'm super, super busy with photography work, um, I don't have time to think about anything else creative. I'm not, it's not, it's never something I'm very fortunate. It's never something that's concerned me. It just happens when it happens. Mm. Um, getting to the, the end of our time now, uh, a couple more questions for you. There's um, a photographer that I have, I'm a huge fan of called Peter McKinnon, who oh, yeah. uh, is a, a huge promoter of, uh, printing your photographs and having them physically in a tangible form. Uh, in your perspective, what are the sort of pros and cons of getting your your prints printed? And I don't uh, I don't do see any you know? cons. I mean, it, it, listen, you know the reality of the 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 world we live in is a reality and most photography is consumed on devices and I consume photography on devices and I, I create photography that's consumed on devices. But, um, you know, I get, I, I have a lot of people that approach me like how to do this or can you look at my work or whatever, you know, young photographers or students. And um, I hate saying no, I really do. I try you know, I remember that I remember there was definitely a few people that spent time with me when I was in the, these situations and how incredibly helpful it was. So I, I try and do that. But one of the things that I insist is when you come and see me, I want to see one photograph on a piece of paper. I don't care if you go to Staples or and just have print it out in a bloody color printer. I, I don't care. I just want to see something tangible. And um, my background in Manchester, growing up with dark rooms, and what an integral part of photography that was, and the print, and being able to step back and look at something, and I can't—it's just beyond important. Um, and one of the things which kind of like is weird in the industry now is like I'm, I'm retouching, I'm working on retouching this book project. And, um, you know, people say, oh, do you know how to retouch for print? <laughs> I'm like, what? Is there another way to retouch? Well, you know, retouch for web. It's like, nah, I, I don't know how to retouch for web. I just know how to retouch pixel for pixel that any fucking picture I make potentially could be a billboard I'd like to think because that's the quality that I aspire to for every photo I've taken um, and I think that art is uh, slowly disappearing and when you do see stuff in print that is not properly done you so can get away with it I mean listen if this book was going to be an Instagram project there's no way I'd be spending the amount of time I'm doing because it's not worth it but um, it's it when you see some, it's almost like, oh God, it sounds it sounds really dull, but it's almost like you know when we when we accept a loss of quality for something because just that's what it is, um, and I, I think that photographers that are shooting for print, shooting film, or shooting large format cameras are. Uh, retouching for print are becoming, you know, 
rarer and rarer and rarer and it's kind of more like a, a niche thing where it, it wasn't before um and i tried to adapt i mean you know so print printing is something i do all the time i'm always print if i'm struggling between two pictures for a choice i'm going to go in and print them both um put them up on the wall and live with them for a minute and that's that, that's also you know something else about i mean we could talk for hours about the advantages and disadvantages of digital but even with digital with the advantages and disadvantages you still have the opportunity to make a photo print you know inkjet printers are incredible um and you know i can i feel that you know people show me inkjet prints and i don't know if they're darkroom prints or not because the paper and everything is just you know when you smell it and you can't smell the fixer but apart from that you know you you, you can't tell the difference so even if you're shooting on an iphone or shooting on a you know a, a camera that's not particularly you can still make a 10 by 8 print and really get to see what your image looks like. So printing, I agree with Mr. McKinnon, 100%. I actually really like him as well. I have one of his uh, neutral density filters. Kind of bugged me to buy a filter with another photographer's name on it, but I did it. Um, and I think he's amazing. I think so many photographers are amazing. But Peter McKinnon, especially because, you know, for that four days during the pandemic, when I tried to be a landscape photographer, and, you know, like, who do you think about? You think Peter McKinnon. You get out there, it's yep. like, no, this is not easy. <laughs> this is not easy. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with them completely. And printing is huge. Um, you know, I do, I teach a few times a year. I teach a Leica Academy seminar. And um, the last day we do retouching and printing. And, you know, I will not, you know, even I could, you know, you can't teach free touching in the day, but, you know, color correction or, or whatever we want to do in that morning. But the afternoon of the last day is everybody walks away with a print that they've made over the last few days. And I think that's amazingly important. I agree. I agree. And uh, just to sort of wrap things up here, you're thinking of joining us in Iceland for the creativity conferences in person. Oh, hundred percent. If I, I mean, if I'm invited and, uh, well, I appear to have been invited, but I, am, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. I'd love to, there's so many things appealing about that. I don't know where to start. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fantastic. So, uh, fingers crossed, everything works out and we'll, we'll see you there. And, uh, hopefully we'll see some people who are listening to this right now there as well as, uh, as attendees. Um, I hope one, so. one final question that I've asked every single guest so far on each episode of the podcast. It's quite a, a broad, open-ended one and uh, potentially a bit of a, a tricky question to answer concisely. But it's, uh, what does creativity mean to you? You know, there's the honest answer. There's the answer that people want to hear. Um Creativity is how I make my living. Creativity is how I feed my family. So I can't, I don't really have the bandwidth for like, wake, you know, 
hard one to answer. Really, I mean, if you think about it, it's such an easy question, but when you actually think about it, it's so real. I remember at college, you know, we were, uh, you know, forced and forced and encouraged to be in this creative mode. And every day I would like, oh, I'm going to do this. And oh, I'm going to do that. And I'm one of my tutors. Um, said, listen, if you're an inventor, you don't wake up every morning and go, what am I going to invent today? You're like, you've got something that you tried and it didn't quite work and you've got something else that you tried. And I think for me, creativity is linking everything I've done before and then pushing forward with it to see what comes out next. And I rarely have the luxury of just like, I'm going to be creative today. Um, I think the luxury that the, the, the real skill, which I strive for every single day is to try and add on to what I've learned before to make something new. I think that's, I think that's an answer, isn't it? It's, Move yeah, on to it's me. a very, it's a very tricky question. So yes, you've answered yeah. it very well. <laughs> I mean, if if I'm not if I'm not paying my bills, then I'm not being creative. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Creativity is is every aspect of of your life, really. It's uh, yeah, it's what you live and breathe. I mean, creativity is how to tell my wife I'm going to Iceland for five days in the summer. That's yeah. We'll have to be incredibly creative in that approach. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Well, it's it's been amazing to have you on, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So. I, I can't wait to see you in Iceland uh, in August. I look, I look forward to and, uh, look yeah. forward to it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And Thanks, have a wonderful guys. rest of your day. See you all soon. <laughs>